Welcome to Shad Speak. I'm your host, Teddy Katz. If you don't know what Shad is, the only thing to know is when Shads speak, people listen. And when you listen to Shads, you become smarter, hearing how they're trying to change the world. Maybe you could do the same. Today on Shad's Beat, we look at how some young people are showing a new kind of resiliency when it comes to their future and their careers. Computers and automation are changing the face of work by the second. We'll introduce you to Matt Shea, who's enjoying a career right now he couldn't have even dreamed of when he was growing up. Matt Shea was recently one of a number of case studies featured by RBC in its report, Future Launch. The report showcased the stories of young people who are adapting to the changing times. RBC says Canada's youth are set to fail in the new economy if we don't change our ways in a hurry and be more like Matt. Matt attended Shad at UBC in 2010. Matt, welcome to Shad Speak. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Matt, tell us a little bit about what you do now and how you make your living. Well, I um, think of a video idea, basically, and I just record myself either playing a game or, I don't know, watching a video, something like that, and I just make some jokes, give some opinions, have some fun, and then I put it on my YouTube channel, and then I get anywhere between 50,000 and a million views. 50,000 to a million views? Yeah, the, the, a million is a bit of an outlier, but, uh, you know, some I do have videos that are, I think, past 5 million views. It depends. It, like, uh, those were pretty popular games that I played that did really well. Uh, it's just kind of a hit or miss type of thing. Sometimes you'll have a video that you think is going to do great. Yeah, it's going to get definitely 100,000 views, and it only gets 30-something thousand uh, the YouTube algorithm is a big mystery to every YouTuber. So it really just depends on if you hit the right keywords, if you hit the right topics, and if you get the right recommendations through YouTube. Because it's all like so much content on YouTube, and there has to be some way to sift through it and find out what's best for each person watching. So what has been, what, what was the most popular one you did? And, and how surprising was that for you even to see the response? Uh, I think my most popular video, or at least one of them, probably the most notable, is a game called Agario. Welcome to Agario. I wasn't really planning on making a video of this game. I've been playing it for like... Uh, and it actually, this now, game sparked a big so trend, a, a .io trend, because the game is on a website, agar.io, and it's, you know, based on a, a, an agar plate or whatever. You know, it's a, you have this little, a little bubble that, that floats around, a little circle, and as you eat little bits that are smaller than you, you get bigger. Uh, every bit, you know, however, however big that bit was becomes part of your score. And then there are other people in the, in the game with you. And if they're smaller than you and you touch them, you absorb them. And your job is to try and become the number one blob, basically. Um, and people, like, people just ate that game up. People, <laughs> so <laughs> no to speak. No pun intended. <laughs> um, they, they really enjoyed it. Um, so, like... I, did, I, I saw the game, and I, I didn't really think that much of it, and then I saw a bunch of people were playing it, and I said, you know, let me let me make a video on it, and obviously people want to see you become the number one blob, you know? That's what's going to get you the views. So I made a video, and I happened to become number one in the video. I uploaded it, and yeah, just it took off. I mean, it probably had a few hundred thousand views in, in a matter of days, and it just kept growing from there. I think it's probably up to 
that's what I mentioned, like about 5 million views now, something like that. It just keeps going. It was the number one search result for Agario for a very long time. So <laughs> you type in Agario on YouTube looking for some videos on it, and you would see me right at the very top becoming number one. Wow. And yeah, I think that's what it was. It was just you have to put out relevant content, but you also have to, you know, the, the content's got to be interesting. You could, Anyone can make a video on the game. Uh, and it's really not that hard to become number one in the game either, but you got to do both. You got to you got to be interesting and you got to be relevant. When you have a video like that, and I'm, I'm, I asked you sort of right off the top how you make your living, do you get do you get a certain certain uh, fee based on the popularity of the videos that you're putting out there? Yeah, it's all it's all basically run through the algorithm. So like if you see a video with a million views. Um, you can maybe assume that 500,000 of those views had some sort of ad on them. Maybe 200,000 of those views were a 30-second advertisement before the video starts, whether it's got a skip button or not. Um, if it has a skip button and you skip the ad, it's not worth as much as if you watch the whole ad. Uh, but either way, you know, I get a certain amount. So you know, if, I, if I serve half a million ads, I might end up making, say, $2,000. So what kind of skills does somebody need to be a YouTube content creator? Because people might not know all the different areas that you have to you have to be thinking about. Yeah, well, um, I'll kind of say say it's it's not necessarily what skills you need to be a content creator, but what skills you need to be a successful content creator. Because you know anybody can create content. Um, there's there's such a spectrum. You could go anywhere from sitting down with a with your phone, you know, you could hit record on your phone and upload it directly to YouTube. The only skill you need is to be able to use your phone. Of course, people probably won't enjoy the video if you're not entertaining. So you do need to have, you know, interpersonal skills. You need you need to be, you know, pretty outgoing and um, you need to be articulate. You need to be able to get your point across without, you know, stuttering and saying um and ah uh, a lot. I mean, there are tons of people on YouTube who are very successful who aren't great at speaking. Uh, you know, but they make up they make up for it in other areas. If they have really good uh, titles and thumbnails and such, because marketing is a huge thing. You need to be good at marketing. You need to be good at speaking. You need to be good at figuring out what people want to see, which is obviously part of marketing as well. And then, of course, if you are actually editing your videos and trying to make interesting thumbnails, you're going to need some sort of graphic design knowledge. You're going to need some sort of Photoshop. Um, Photoshop knowledge and for editing videos, it's going to be Premiere or Sony Vegas or Final Cut, depending on your operating system. Now, Matt, this isn't a path that you set out to do um, when you were uh, when you were a youth. Um, tell nope. us tell us a little bit about that journey and what were your goals when you went to university. Well, my first year at university, I just kind of, you know, I wanted to do medical school for a while. I did psychology and really, really liked it. I've always been into psychology. I don't know. I really enjoyed it, and you know, my goal was to go to medicine after that. Um, but then, like, I think partway through my second year, you know, my YouTube channel started doing well. Uh, maybe in my third year, I'm not sure. But by the time I was graduating, I was up to a couple hundred thousand subscribers, and I was, you know, well on my way to being a full-time YouTuber if I wanted. I mean, for months and months before I finished university, I was able to make a living and, you know, pay my bills. But obviously, I wasn't going to throw away my degree. I stuck I stuck with it and I got that done. But then when time came, I applied to medical school, didn't get in. And I said, hey, well, you know, let's just 
let's just chill. Let's just play some video games on the internet for a while and maybe reassess later if the time comes. The time hasn't come yet, so you know I'm st- I'm still I'm still successful. That's pretty amazing. And and what did what did others around you feel at the time? Well, when I became when it when I got to the point where I was making say you know a few thousand dollars a month, like you know more than enough to pay my bills, like having some real money coming from that, like having a real impact on my life. At that point, people were just kind of like, "What? You can you can make like that much money on YouTube? You can like." you know, support yourself full time just by making YouTube videos. And I was like, yeah, you can, if you, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can be a successful YouTuber and you can do that as your, as your job. Most people are just really surprised. And, you know, the question I, I, I mostly got was how do you get paid? How, how do you make money on this? And you know, the, the answer is there's people out there looking to sell their products and YouTube videos are a great place to advertise. Someone's got to be paid for those advertisements. And I get, I think, 55% of it, and YouTube gets 45 How do you come up with your ideas? Like, when you're trying to think of a video mm. that's going to be popular for, for folks, okay. what goes through your mind? How do you, how do you sort of hone in on what might make a good video? Well, what I usually do is I think, is this something that I would click on? Is this something that I would be interested in watching? And it's been kind of difficult because of the fact that, you know, my interests have changed over the last few years. I'm not interested in making the same type of content. But, for example, um, you know, I I stumbled across an Internet thread about unexplainable photos. It's really strange photos that don't really seem to make any sense. You know, people doing really odd things, um, just kind of no backstory, right? And I said, well, that's an interesting idea for a video. Let's make a video on unexplainable images. Have you ever seen a photo that was so strange, so confusing, that all you could say was nothing? Look, maybe you haven't, but I've been on the internet a very long so time, and I have I been just, down a you know, lot I, I of rabbit holes. I turned my camera on, and I started recording my screen, and I just started talking. I said, you know, have you ever seen a photo that you couldn't explain? And then I, uh, I went from there, and I just started – I Googled it. I just Googled unexplainable photos and I just started looking at some you know I picked the ones that I thought were the most interesting I showed them on the video and I kind of thought I kind of explained what I thought was going on and um, the video did do pretty well I haven't checked the stats on it today but it was doing really well when I checked it yesterday Um, I'm just trying to like come up with things that I think people will be interested in watching original things because you know everyone and their mother is playing say Fortnite is the most popular game right now everyone's playing that game and it's actually really hard to get views on it even though it's really popular because everything is so saturated and the people being watched are the ones who are really good at it. And I'm not really great at all the video games I play. I'm more of an entertainer, so I'm trying to find what's entertaining. Can you describe your aha moment on, on that front in terms of being entertaining in terms of, or, or even in, in terms of realizing that you could actually make a pretty good living doing this? Um... It's kind of like a it's kind of a gradual thing. Like I remember, I remember talking to my uncle. Uh, I was visiting my cousin, and uh, my uncle was there, and I was telling him, you know, I just made fifty dollars. I just got paid fifty dollars for uh, <laughs> for one month on YouTube, and it was kind of they kind of just laughed, you know, like haha, oh great, you know, you can buy a donut or whatever. Um, but then, you know, after a while, it started getting more and more, and I, you know, you could see I could see my stats going up. I could see every month I was doing better than the previous month. You know, I was gaining momentum, gaining traction on YouTube. And I, you know, slowly over time, I realized, hey, this isn't going to stop. This is going to keep going. 
So I just kind of watched the stats go up and every day I would be motivated by the, you know, the increase in viewers every day I would get say a thousand or two thousand, 2000 subscribers. And I would just kind of watch that trajectory. And at some point, I guess I realized that I really was going to be able to make a living on this. So it's not really like a, a certain moment, but more of a, a feeling that increases over time. And you had started pretty early in, in your life getting interested in this field, right? You, you had started when you were in your teens, no? Doing Yeah, I I, uh, I think I uploaded my first gaming videos in like 2011. It was right before I graduated from Fogo Island Central Academy and moved on to go to uh, Memorial University in Newfoundland. So I, um, I uploaded a few videos then. I didn't do it too much because, you know, I was busy with school and it wasn't like a super big hobby of mine. I just wanted to throw some things up online. Uh, and then a couple of years later when I got a, a good PC, I started recording PC games and it just kind of like went from there. That's when I started doing it more seriously in 2013. I think it was April 2013. So you mentioned that you haven't gotten around to that point where you have to sort of look at next steps career wise. I'm just curious how how long you think you might go on this front or if this is a career that could take you for another number of years in, into the future. It's really difficult to say because of how volatile YouTube is. I've seen people with channels that were bigger than mine at some point who at this point aren't making any money on YouTube anymore. Um, my money has went down uh, as everyone's has on the platform overall um, because a lot of advertisers have pulled out of YouTube for various reasons, different controversies and things. So it is a bit harder to make a living on YouTube these days. I'm still doing fine, um, and I'm not sure how long it's going to last, honestly. There's so many different options for making money. Like if I have an audience of, say, say I have a dedicated audience of over 100,000 people. They're watching most of my videos, or they're at least watching a few videos a week. They're regular viewers then I can tap into that, that audience for other things. There's a website called Patreon where people can pledge money to you for certain rewards, say, oh, if you, if you donate $50 a month, you'll get one Skype, Skype um, call from me every month. Uh, perks like that. There's websites uh, such as Twitch. It's a, it's a game streaming website, and you can, you can get donations through that or live streaming on YouTube as well. People like donating because you know then you notice them. You say, hey, thanks to whoever you call them out by name and uh you know there's, there's lots of psychology behind that i mean it works on me too i donate to my favorite streamers just so i can you know send them a message so they can see it so there are a lot of different ways you can make money uh, a lot of people sell merchandise as well a lot of my friends make a lot of money selling t-shirts and posters and things like that it just depends on how how hardcore your audience is if you have a really dedicated audience even if it's a small audience if they're really dedicated and they're willing to buy your products, you can do quite well without having, say, a million subscribers. What advice do you think your story so far um, has for others about being res resilient in the face of, of changing times, a changing landscape when it comes to jobs and, and careers? I think it shows that you know, there, there's not just one path. You don't have to, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You, you don't have to make the same choices as everybody else. You can you can make your hobby your job. And the thing is, with YouTube, it's it's for everyone. Anyone can make a living on YouTube. There are people on YouTube opening surprise eggs and making thousands of dollars. Surpri there are people, surprise eggs? 
yeah, kids love it. Kids is a huge, um, a huge market. There's so many kids channels. There's one kid, I think his name is Ryan, Ryan's Toys Reviews, and he he makes like over a million dollars a year. It is quite crazy because he just has such a big audience. Like he has millions of subscribers. Um, but it just goes to show you that like any hobby, you know, whether it's music, whether it's comedy, whether it's gaming, anything, if you're good at it and you are willing to put in the time, it can become your living. It, you know, it can be a source of income for you. It doesn't, you don't need to, you know, necessarily go out there and, and just apply for a job. You can make your own job. Of course, it's not, you know, a guaranteed thing and it should never, it should never, I always recommend that it be something that you enjoy. Don't do something you don't enjoy just because you think you're going to get paid sometime. I would never have done this if I just wanted money because it's just, it takes so much time and so much energy, but it's really rewarding, you know, not the money, but the, the people, the, the, the support, you know, the comments, people saying, Hey, I really enjoyed this video. Hey, you are a really great YouTuber. I love watching you. So yeah, I, th I think I think it just it just goes to show you that there there are a lot of ways out there, a lot of untapped markets, a lot of untapped potential for uh, for revenue besides your normal you know nine to five job. In RBC's uh, new campaign called Future Launch, they say that Canada's youth are are set to fail in in the new economy because they say they're being trained for jobs that don't or won't exist. What would you say to that? I think Canada's youth are the new economy. I think that, you know, as uh, as the older generation, you know, fizzles out and the and the new generation steps in, the economy is going to have to change because you know we're into different things. I think a lot of the jobs out there right now are the jobs that are being provided by, you know, the forty somethings and the fifty somethings. But, you know, all these new, all these new say millennials coming in, uh, a lot of them are just creating their own jobs. You know, they're doing their own thing. I. I I think I, I kind of agree with that. They are kind of set up to fail. One of the things that RBC is is also saying is they believe that you know whether it's um, early education or even post secondary education, they're, they're saying there should be more experiential learning type programs like like you went to at Chad, um, where where the the youth are taught the skills and not necessarily the focus on careers, more of a focus on teaching them the skills, the critical thinking, the problem solving, the coordination, the collaboration, the communication, mm -hmm. yeah. making sure that, that uh, the youth are digitally, digitally literate, uh, not mm -hmm. necessarily coders, but they know how to move, maneuver around like you do uh, on YouTube. What would you say to, to those kinds of suggestions that RBC is saying, this is, this, these are the kinds of skills that we need and we need to find ways to, to make sure people are being educated on that front? Well, I think, I think that the, the education system is really kind of backwards because, yeah, you don't learn practical skills in high school. I mean, sure, I can learn how many valence electrons fluorine has, but is that really going to help me? in the future as much as possibly teaching me how to do my taxes, teaching me how to do thing, do things, you know, send out your resume. Um, you know, there is career development, but there's so many other skills as well that we're not being taught. You, you know, these days you, you should, you should have, um, programs offered for, you know, internet, uh, research and Googling, like Google itself could be its own, could be its own course. Cause there's so much to know there. I've, I've been, you know, I've been Googling since, <laughs> I guess, like, you know, somewhere in the mid-2000s. Uh, but it's, it's, all, it's a skill that a lot of people don't 
understand. You know, my parents don't really understand. My, my dad's starting to figure it out now. He, he's realized that he can type pretty much anything on YouTube and find a t tutorial. But, you know, you don't need to you don't need to call your kids and say, hey, I can't get the TV to work or the, the satellite to work because you can just Google it. Sounds just like whatever you're sounds whatever like you've been listening say. to my conversations with my daughter. I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> I've kidding. been listening to my own conversations <laughs> with my parents. Every time they call, I say, listen, you could Google that. Uh, you know, if you if you're having trouble with your remote, look at the back of the remote, find the serial number, Google that, find the find the owner's manual and go from there. It's all online. There's so many skills these days that people are missing out on. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be taught chemistry and, and you know, uh, geography, et cetera, et cetera. I think there should just be a, a, a mandatory uh, focus on, you know, life skills that you're that you're not going to learn in a normal classroom setting. You know, we look back, we look back at 50 years ago where, you know, students were getting, you know, strapped, getting, getting smacked for, for whatever. And we th think, wow, that was so backwards. I think in like 50 years, they're going to look back and say, wow, you, you weren't taught any of this stuff in school. That's so crazy. What would you say some of those key skills for youth to succeed in the 21st century are? Uh, well, I think a big part of success is, you know, being assertive being being able to 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 tell people what you want being able to being able to say this is what i want or this is what i don't want being able to say yes and being able to say no is really important a lot of people don't have enough practice with those skills and you know we, we look at things like um, a disparity in uh, in wage between gender and a lot of that comes down to how assertive you know people are male versus female and people with these top jobs are people who are sacrificing a lot of their life and they're, you know, they're, they're not saying no, they're never saying no. Um, men or women, whoever, you know, is reaching those top spots in, in their jobs, in their careers, they're people who, who know how to say yes and know how to say no. That kind of stuff doesn't get taught enough. It's not so, I think it's something you just got to kind of experience and you kind of got to figure it out over time. But uh, it's definitely something that people, people aren't taught in school. I know like I, I'm going back to that RBC report because I found it quite interesting some of the things that they were pointing out as well like some of the areas where they say there there's going to be big needs down the road things like d data analytics and I think you were mm -hmm. sort of getting that getting at that with with maybe your example with Google like how, how do you research what is the best yeah. way of going about certain uh, studies along those lines uh, identifying trends um, mm -hmm. they say math math is going to be still hugely important um, firms looking for, for people with adaptable, um, transferable skills. I, I mentioned earlier basic literacy or digital literacy, like knowing yes. how, to, how to move around uh, on, your, on the Internet and, and everything else. Then yep. communication, collaboration, critical thinking. Which, critical thinking, very what, important. Tell me about that from your point of view and your experience. Well, let me give you a great example. Fake news. <laughs> you just you can look you can go to Facebook now and you will see the kind of stuff that gets shared. It's always twisted reality. You know, I see it all the time and I do my best to call it out when I see it. I do my best to say, look, regardless of what your opinion is, what you just said here is wrong. You know, I was, I saw an argument on Twitter the other day where one person said, "Hey, well, if you took this many cities and took them out of the equation, then you know, America would go from the top in this list to the bottom in this list. And someone said, hey, that's not true. And they said, yeah, it is. Why don't you do the research and find that out for yourself? You know, um, they're putting the burden of proof on the on the other person, even though they're the one making a claim. And, you know, I, I 
I did my own research on it and it's completely false. But the thing is, most people don't do their own research. Most most people take what they see on Facebook and Twitter as face at face value, you know, and, and it's such a big problem. Everyone knows that fake news is such a big problem, but the problem is not the news. The problem is the people sharing it. It's the it's the it's the people who don't look past what they see. They don't think about it. They don't say, hey, hmm, that's a pretty wacky statistic right there. That's pretty crazy. That makes me angry. You know, if it makes you angry, if it makes you upset, it could be false because people want you to be upset because that's why that's why people share things on Facebook. You either share it because it because it, 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 it just strikes you with amazement, you know, like a dog walking on its front paws or whatever, uh, or you share it because it makes you angry. You know, those are the things that get shared. And so many people just do not do the research. They do not think about it. They just they read it. They share it and they move on with their lives, even if it's completely false. And every time I see an article, I always fact check it. Hmm. Most especially people. if you don't understand, if you don't recognize the website, especially, or if it's some Facebook page making a claim or some picture. If someone posts a picture with some claim on it, they better have sourced that, or I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe it. And Matt, you you mentioned earlier that you come from Fogo Island, which is a pretty remote place in in Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, what message is there in that? You, you mentioned sort of, you know, you can go in, in non traditional ways to to create a career for yourself. But what message is it for for others who might come from from remote rural remote places like you do, in terms of what you've been able to do? Well, the great thing about the internet, especially, is it doesn't matter where you are. You could be, you know, you could be up in at the North Pole. If you had an internet connection, you could, you could, you know, you could still make a living. Uh, for example, I'm about to move to British Columbia in a couple of months. Uh, my wife is going to be studying at uh, at a makeup school, so so we're going to be moving across the country. But that's fine with me because you know it's just going to mean better weather. Nothing else changes for me. I, I have my computer and I can do my thing online. So um, you know it's we're at a point where your opportunities aren't limited to where you live because the internet is is everywhere. The internet's for everybody. And and it's it's worldwide. Uh, maybe not China or something, but <laughs> you know you get most you get most of the places around the world. You can connect to them no problem, and you can share your ideas, you can share your thoughts, you can entertain people. I've got fans everywhere from from you know like Europe to Malaysia. Um, uh, I think I have uh, I have a lot of fans in uh, the Philippines. I have Korean fans. It's it's amazing to see just just how diverse the audience is. So it, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like. There, there are people of all shapes, sizes, and walks of life making, making livings with internet-based things. What, what's interesting to me is it almost seems like this, this incredible time for youth. Because on the one hand, there's so many opportunities for, for you to go and create your future, to create your app, or in your case, to go and create content, successful content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like there, there's just so many opportunities and the technology is no longer a, a, an, an obstacle or a hurdle as it was when in my day when I was growing up. Um, but on, on the other hand, because, because there are so many opportunities, maybe for some youth it can be a bit daunting. Where do I start? Yeah, uh, it definitely is. It definitely is a bit daunting. There's so much out there. Um, and I struggle with that as well. I mean, being a YouTuber who, you know, I've always been, I've always been a variety 
YouTuber. And most of what I did was gaming up until, you know, a few months ago where I've branched out more and more into other things. And gaming seems to have went down, especially on my channel, um, especially since I've moved on and tried other things. It seems that those other things are what's getting the most views now, you know, and it, 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 it it's daunting for me because, you know, I'll wake up with no ideas for videos and I got to sit down and I, and I think, do I go back to the old formula of just playing a game? Do I try something new? Do I, um, you know, do I pick up another series that did well? Um, so much choice, too much choice sometimes where I just feel overwhelmed. So I definitely, I definitely understand that. But what people need to understand is, you know, you can just, just try something, you know, try something. If you don't like it, try something else. The worst thing you can do is not try at all. It's almost like people get, get afraid of failing. So they don't, yeah. they don't, do I, it. I, I definitely have. I definitely have a lot of that myself, fear of failure. I'll come up with great video ideas, but I'll be like, ah, are they good enough? If I record this video, is it going to come out the way I want it to? I think at the end of the day, you just got to say, who cares if it does or it doesn't? As long as you do it, that's the important part. That's that's what, where the reward is, actually care, carrying out and doing what you want to do. Well, Matt, thanks for, for taking the time today and, and sharing your journey. It's a fascinating journey that you're on, and uh, I'm sure the listeners are really appreciative of you sharing all this story so far with us. Well, I really appreciate them listening. Thank you so much. Matt Shea is a content creator on YouTube. He has more than a million subscribers. He joined us from his home in St. John's, Newfoundland. That's our show for this week. Please contact me, teddy at shad.ca, if you have an idea or topic for an upcoming podcast and go to shad.ca forward slash podcast to hear any of our previous episodes. Join us again next month for another edition of Shad Speak. Bye for now.